welcome. My name is Mason, and this is Mace on Movies, episode seven of my journey through Ghibli, uh, which is my journey through the Studio Ghibli animated film collection that they have on HBO Max. Uh, I've been going through them in release order, uh, so if you haven't checked out any of the other episodes of this series, you can check out the podcast feed there. Um, and then today, I'm going to be talking about Umigaki Koeru, uh, which in Japanese means I can hear the sea, um, but the English title that you'll see on HBO Max is Ocean Waves. Uh, so closely related, uh, but not quite the same, not quite a direct translation from uh, Japanese to English. Uh, so there you go. And uh, this was uh, actually originally released on TV and then later released on DVD. So I don't think there was ever actually a theatrical release of this film, but it is part of the Studio Ghibli collection. Uh, it is also a film that was not directed by Miyazaki Hayao, as many of the Ghibli films are. This was actually uh, directed by Tomomi Mochizuki, and um, it was written by Kaori Nakamura, and it was based on a novel of the same name. Uh, there was also a sequel novel that came out a few years after this movie was released, um, and then there was a TV drama as well uh, that was based on these novels. So that's a little bit of background for the movie. And uh, to give you a loose idea of the plot without talking about specifics within the movie, uh, it's basically a high school love triangle kind of story uh, where we've got these two friends, Taku and Yutaka, um, and they are kind of both attracted to this girl, Rikako, uh, who has come from Tokyo uh, to the island of... Let me check for it, Shikoku. And, um, you know, they're in this city called Kochi. And um, basically, Rikako's mother has gotten divorced and taken her to live here. And she really doesn't like living in this area. She misses Tokyo. She wants to be with her father. So as she's struggling with that situation, she's also adjusting to this high school um, and kind of trying to fit in there. And then there's these two friends, like I mentioned before, who are... Um, yeah, interested in her. So it's kind of uh, the journey of her um, adapting or trying to get out of this place uh, and then the two boys who are attracted to her. So very much a young adult kind of coming of age story. Uh, so if you're into that, then you will probably enjoy it. I think it is well told. It's well animated as all Studio Ghibli films usually are. Um, however, I will say that this one in particular uh, just wasn't for me. Um, and I would, you know, I've watched, this is the seventh Studio Ghibli film that I've watched so far, and I would place it, uh, if I'm ranking the films, I'd probably put it at number seven for me, just in terms of how much I enjoyed it in comparison to the others. It doesn't mean it wasn't well made, it's just not a movie that I connected with personally. And there were a couple of storytelling issues that I didn't really like um, in particular, and I will talk about those later on. I just want to give my overall thoughts before I spoil anything for people who maybe haven't seen it yet but do want to see it. Um, you know, if you like those dramas with the love triangles set in high school, I think you'll you'll probably enjoy this anime. Um, but for me, uh, it just wasn't wasn't quite my cup of tea. Um, but you know, there were moments of the film that I did enjoy, and I always enjoy 
anything set in Japan that gives me a look into the lives of people in Japan, whether they're young or old. So I definitely enjoyed everything that was set kind of within the school、uh, because I always love seeing school life portrayed in Japan because I can really kind of connect with it. And there were definitely some, some moments、um, in the way th- in their school life、um, that I could totally see happening in the real world.、Um, so it was definitely like I felt like there was. Uh, a strong sense of accuracy、uh, in, in the storytelling. And you know, there were a couple of comedic moments that I really enjoyed. There were parts that I liked.、Um, it just was the overall story,、um, some character issues, and where things landed at the end, and how they wrapped up the story. I just was ultimately unsatisfied with. And I, I would say I was actually frustrated、uh, with this movie by the time it was over. Fortunately, it's only 72 minutes long.、Uh, so it is by no means a long movie. I'm thankful that it wasn't you know, the length of some of the other Studio Ghibli films, which can run two hours plus.、Uh, so I was grateful that this was a shorter one.、Uh, and what's interesting about this one, going back to the production, is that it was actually an attempt by looking at the Wikipedia here, it was, it was an attempt by Studio Ghibli. They wanted to let some of their younger staff members make a film. Relatively cheaply,、um, but this is one they ended up going both over budget and over schedule. So、uh, I, want, I thought that was funny as I was kind of researching some of this movie that it was, it was made、um, by some of the younger staff. I think they wanted to tell a younger, like a young adult style story based on these novels and clearly something that some of their staff was passionate about.、Um, and I don't know, I really don't know how popular、uh, these novels were. Were. I don't know、um, how popular this TV movie was,、um, but clearly it was popular enough to get a, you know, a re release on DVD,、uh, and they did make a drama. So I'm sure that it's well known、um, by some people within Japan, but it's probably not one、uh, that I would go back to. I don't have anything against romantic dramas, I don't have anything against stories that are set in high school. Uh, you know, one movie that comes to mind that is live action in, in American film is called The Spectacular Now,、uh, which is definitely very much a high school aged romance that I think is really well told. I really enjoy it. It's got great performances, great actors. So, you know, there, I don't have any problem with the genre、um, or that theme. I just felt like for me, I had too many issues、uh, with specific characters、uh, and specific events. Within the film and how it concluded. So、uh, that's as much as I'll say about it、uh, without spoiling it, but I would definitely encourage you to check this one out, see what you think about it. You know, everybody has, everybody views films differently. Everybody brings their own experiences to a film, everybody brings, you know, their, their own ideas and、uh, they take different things away from a film. So, you know, what doesn't work for me doesn't mean it won't work. For you. So, definitely encourage you to check it out. Check all of the Ghibli stuff out, really, because all of it's really well made.、Um, and yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. But if you haven't seen it yet, I am going to talk about some specific things from the film.、Uh, so, if you don't want to be spoiled on any of it,、uh, you can go and watch it and then come back for the rest of this podcast.、Uh, but from here on out, I will be talking about spoiler things. So, getting into the things that specifically. Did not work for me in terms of the story. My biggest issue was actually with the character of Rikako、um, because, you know, this is really, it's really challenging because I understand 
that the character is in a place where she's in probably the hardest time of her life up to this point, where her parents have just gotten divorced. Uh, she's gone from a big city to a small town. Um, she would rather be with her father, but her mother forced her to come with her. And so I understand the frustration that, fe that she feels and everything that she's doing within this movie is to just try and get back to Tokyo. She's trying to earn her way into a prestigious university or a good university within Tokyo that she, so she can go back and be closer to her father and get out of this small town. So I understand that journey. I understand her frustration. But my problem is in her treatment of the people around her, you know, specifically with Taku, who is, you know, the main guy um, who is him and his friend Yutaka are interested in her. Um, but he's really, Taku is the main guy for this film, the one who's spending a majority of the time here with Rikako. And I just felt like she, throughout this film, she has like no sense of empathy or really concern for anyone outside of herself. She's really solely focused on this mission. And I struggled to understand why Taku would be attracted to her beyond the fact that, you know, within the context of an animated film, she's considered to be very beautiful. Uh, she is very intelligent. She's very driven. Um, you know, she's very athletic. She's, she, she's an impressive young woman. So I can understand how someone would be interested in her. However, upon spending time with her, even though she's in a very difficult part of her life, as I mentioned, as he's spending time with her, she shows no concern for him. In fact, most of this movie is her manipulating him in order to achieve something that she wants to do. And so, you know, the fact that she has spent most of the movie unapologetically manipulating this guy, and there, there were like small apologies here and there, but I don't feel like she really genuinely cared about the way that she was treating Taku throughout this film. For example, you know, kind of, you know, she, the only reason she talks to him in the first place is because she heard that he's a guy who has money from his part-time job and she needs money to get a plane ticket to go to Tokyo and see her father. Like she wants to run away. So the only reason she talks to him in the first place, and I think she understands that he's attracted to her. And I think she plays on that and kind of uses that in order to accomplish her goal, not really caring for his feelings in the moment. And, you know, the money part, like she knew that her father would pay him back and would give him a place like she knew her father would pay him back. So she knew that she wasn't taking the money, that he would get paid back. But it was a lot of money. It was like Rokuman, which is 60,000 yen, which is, you know, about $600. And the other guy who's interested in her gave her Niman yen, which is 20,000 yen or about $200 in today's money. So it's like, you know, these guys have given her a bunch of money that she 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 kind of lied and said that she lost her money while they were on this school trip and they're helping her out, but she's really just taking that money to go see her father. Um, but she took it by kind of understanding that they were kind of attracted to her. That, that's the way that I viewed it anyway. Um, and then later on in the film, you know, she not caring about what will happen to this girl, Yumi, who's become her friend, um, she says they're going to go to a concert, and then when they get to the airport, she buys tickets for Tokyo instead when they were planning to go to Osaka. And it's going to drag this girl along, along to, do, to go against what this girl has told her mother they're going to do and going to get this girl in huge amounts of trouble, but she doesn't really care. Like, she's upset that Yumi is wanting to back out 
Um, and she just wants to go and carry on with the plan. And Taku steps in to kind of help her accomplish her plan, goes to Tokyo with her in Yumi's place so that Yumi doesn't get in trouble. Um, but, you know, Rikako doesn't show any concern at all um, for Taku or Yumi in this situation. She just cares about herself. Um, and then when Taku's on this trip with her, like, she drags him around. He's, he's like... He has to, like, wait for her, you know, on the, in the lobby of her father's apartment building for who knows how long while, he, while she's talking to him. And it is sad. Like, she has a hard experience where, you know, she thought that everything was her mom's fault. But when she goes back to Tokyo, her father's uh, with a new woman and has changed her room completely and kind of moved on. And it's not the experience she thought she was going to have. Um, but, you know... She kind of vents her frustration and she has an emotional moment. She's confessing everything to Taku and she's kind of venting at him. Not really like I get that she's having a hard time, but she's not taking like she's not asking like anything about where he's at, you know, like how he's doing (laughs) with the fact that he randomly got on a plane to Tokyo to help her out and she's been dragging him around. And I get that he kind of volunteered for it because he, he's interested in her, he cares for her. So in some ways he does bring it upon himself, but I just felt like there was no sense of empathy from her. And later she uses him to pretend to be her boyfriend to make her old boyfriend jealous. And she's like, oh, come down to the cafe. I want you to, to help me out. And she's just going back and forth with this old boyfriend. And Taku's just sitting there like he can't do anything. He's not involved in the conversation. And he kind of flips out on her and then like, you know, she does ultimately say she understands why he was upset and why she thinks they're boring. And they do have a moment, but I just felt like she never really, never really cared about the inconvenience or the problems that she was causing in other people's lives through her actions. Um, and then later on in the film, obviously, once they get back from Tokyo, then she completely ignores him. Like after they've had this huge experience that could have brought them together and I think caused Taku to maybe care about her more because when you go through a crazy experience, it does tend to bond you. But she completely ignores him and just kind of like focuses on getting through high school, getting through the college entrance exams and getting out of there and pays no more mind to Taku. And like rumors go around that they shared a hotel together and there's school drama. Um, and, you know, ultimately there is a confrontation between the two of them um, where she slaps him and then he slaps her, which is like, Oh, like, I don't, I, I, it was really rough because like, yeah, you, yeah, you don't want to see that in a movie. You don't want to see a guy slapping a girl across the face in a movie. So that was all really rough to watch. Didn't really enjoy it. Um, but the, the way the movie presents it is almost as if she like deserved what she got. And you can feel about that however you want to. I personally didn't care for it. Um, it's just one of the few things that in here that I didn't really care for. Um, but then, you know, as we get towards the end of the film, we also see that she, and this is where I have to explain something about school life in Japan and Japanese culture in general, is that, you know, when you're in school, when you're in a class with other students, you're kind of, you're one unit, you're one body, and you work together throughout the year, especially when it comes to things like school festivals, which there is a school festival later on in this film. And in Japan, everyone is expected to participate in some way, but she has decided not to participate in any way. She's not helping with the dance. She's not helping with the festival. She's just going to focus on her studies. 
And, you know, watching this as someone who comes from America, which is a place where we kind of value independence, we value individualism, we've, we kind of value you doing you and doing what you have to do to get to the next stage of your life. But I think there's also a side to that where you do have to, you know, show some level of concern for the people around you in the process of getting where you need to go. Because if you're horrible to the people around you in your pursuit of your goal, you're going to get there and you're going to be alone when you get there. And so I think that that's a lesson that maybe Rikako has to learn in this film is that you can't just push everyone to the side in pursuit of your goal and expect them to all be okay with what you're doing. And she learns a hard lesson, you know, where all the girls kind of freak out on her, uh, gang up on her for not being a part of what they're doing, not being a part of the festival. Uh, but like I said, like, you know, in Japan, you are, it's, you're, it's essential for you to contribute to the goal of the entire group. Like, you know, the people that are only in it for themselves are not viewed great uh, as great people within the context uh, of Japan, especially in school life. You're expected to participate in everything. And the fact that she doesn't um, causes some problems within the school. And so, you know, it might be a, a cultural difference and you might say, like, what's the big deal that she wanted to focus on her studies? You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with focusing on your studies, but I think you do have to be sensitive. You know, every person in that school needs to do well to get into university. So, but they're all taking the time to participate in this thing. That's a big deal for their school. Uh, and so, you know, she really throughout high school just has this one friend, Yumi, uh, and has a really hard time getting along with some of these other girls but you see that she just wants to get out of there. So I don't know. I just, yeah, the way that she treated everyone throughout the film really bothered me. Um, and then the fact that through all of this, you know, Yutaka and Taku are both still interested in her. <laughs> um, I just thought that it was kind of, it was hard for me to wrap my head around it. But at the same time, it's, it's high school and that is kind of like high school life, I guess where sometimes you just have feelings for someone and you can't explain it and maybe it doesn't make sense, but all you can think about is that person. So I guess it could be explained away in that way. But my biggest problem is that the end of this movie, we don't see any change in Rikako throughout the entire movie. Uh, we don't see any apology. We don't see any kind of like, um, any way of making up for the things that she's done. In fact, this movie ends with like a 10-minute drinking party that takes place as like a reunion after they've all graduated and gone to university. They come back to this town. They're having a drinking party. And Rikako's not even there. But someone, like one of the girls from their class, ends up like, you know, talking to Taku and saying, oh, yeah, you know, I saw her the other day. And she was talking about how she did kind of feel bad about the way some of these things happen. And it's like, she didn't even apologize to him directly. <laughs> like he's hearing this like half-hearted apology through another person, but it's expected to kind of make up for everything. And then, you know, this last 10 minutes is like, okay, so we're just gonna wrap everything up. And then, you know, but the movie expects us to be like overwhelmed with joy at the fact that at the end of this movie, you know, they do end up finding each other in Tokyo and they do end up together as through the credits, we see photos of them together on different dates. We see that they end up being together, but I'm like, I don't feel like this relationship 
was earned in the events of the movie. I don't feel like I wanted them to get together. Like I really wanted Taku to probably do better or find someone that is a little bit more considerate of who he is, you know? Um, but that's just, that's just my feelings. And so when we got to the end, I just wasn't satisfied with the journey. I wasn't satisfied with the destination. I just had a lot of frustration overall uh, with this movie. And you could watch it and you could view it completely differently and that's totally okay. But this is just this is just my experience. And I and like I said, I will say that I completely understand that Rikako is going through the hardest time of her life in in the events of this movie. But you know, and you know, I you know, she's going through a divorce and I understand that. Like I my parents, my mom was divorced multiple times uh by the time I started junior high school. So I, I understand what that feels like. I understand that struggle of wanting to be in a different place. Uh, wanting to be with a different parent. Like I understand that journey and the way that you can kind of be a miserable kind of person to be around and you can drag other people into your drama intentionally or unintentionally. I totally understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, you still have to um, consider the way that you're treating the people around you. And I just, I think that this movie wouldn't have rubbed me the wrong way if she would have in person, face to face, you know, throughout this, uh, at some point in this movie, actually said, hey, you know, I understand I was obsessed with this one goal and I wasn't considerate of the way that I was treating you. I wasn't considerate of the class. Something like that. If she would have just like said that, you know, I, I think that would have gone a long way um, in my enjoyment of this film. The other thing is that this is meant to be a love triangle, but we don't really get a lot of Yutaka. He's kind of like sporadically placed throughout the film. He is the first one to meet her. Uh, he introduces her to Taku, and then he's kind of like in and out throughout the movie sporadically. But, you know, this movie, it is a romantic love triangle, but it's really like most of our time is with Taku and Yutaka. So it wasn't a super strong love, love triangle. Um, it, it really was kind of one-sided. But anyway, those are just some of my issues and... Uh, like I said, I encourage you to check this movie out for yourself. See what you think about it. See what you think about the story, what you think about the characters, what it shows you about life in Japan, um, and what you can take away from it. Because I think it's important to experience stories, whether we agree with them or not. I think it's important to expose ourselves to different ideas, different styles, different storytelling. Uh, so I would definitely encourage you to check it out. And the last thing I'll say, one thing to end on a positive note, one thing I thought was really funny is that in this movie... There's an issue in the school where they've canceled a school trip uh, and they're going to combine it with a trip a few years later uh, to make it a bigger trip to go to Hawaii. Um, but the way that they deal with this is like the students are all super, super upset, but nobody's going to like raise their hand and say I'm upset. They just nobody wants to like stand out as the one that's opposed, which is another kind of big part of Japanese culture, which I've mentioned before, is like the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. So nobody's wanting to like risk their neck to say that they're upset, except for Taku and Yutaka, and that's how they become friends. But the way that the school deals with it is like, okay, you're upset, we'll have a meeting later, and you can voice your dissatisfaction, uh, and we'll explain everything to you. But they do the most like you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna generalize, I'm not gonna do any stereotypes or anything like that, but I have noticed there is a general sense of non-confrontational uh, behavior and attitudes, and it can also lead to passive-aggressive attitudes as well in the workplace in Japan. I work here in Japan, I've experienced it, I've seen it, I'm speaking from my experience, and the way that they deal with this is they say, okay, we're gonna 
we're going to have a meeting after school. And then they get to the, the meeting and it's just an empty room and they've written on the chalkboard, sorry, meeting postponed. Please write your thoughts on a piece of paper and put it in the box. So it's like it was the most non-confrontational, passive aggressive way of dealing with this situation that could have possibly occurred. But I was like, you know, I could I can see that. I can see that totally happening in a school. And I'm sure it's happened in the schools that I've worked at. I just haven't seen it. Um, it's funny the way sometimes the schools will deal with the students or the students will voice their concerns. I just thought that that was a very funny moment in the film and a great way to bring these two students together as friends. So thought it was interesting, thought it was funny. And that's going to wrap up my thoughts on this movie. Uh, if you've seen it, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you've watched it and then come back to finish this podcast, yeah, please let me know. Uh, let me know what you thought of it, what you liked or didn't like, or what you thought of the characters. Uh, you can let me know on Instagram or Twitter at Movies. You can send me a voice message through the Anchor app. But I just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please check out the rest of the podcast feed. I'm doing a lot of stuff on there, different series, different reviews. Uh, and it would mean a lot to me if you would subscribe, rate, leave a comment, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. Uh, but until next time... Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. Please take care. Please be safe. Uh, take care of your health, your mental health, your physical health, all of that. And remember to always be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.